the <coughs> theme for the afternoon talk is trust, acceptance, and uh, wisdom. Just go back for a moment or two to the uh, the uh, teachings of uh, uh, the Buddha. There is regular references to the quiet power of the mind in its healthy and best sense that means largely free from uh, ego and in designating uh, these powers of uh, mind we clearly are uh, engaged in them on this retreat and all being well in the day-to-day life of every day without exception. And the first is trust. The second is mindfulness. The third is samadhi, composure, clarity and depth of being. The fourth is energy. And the fifth is wisdom. In the talk uh, with you today, we'd like to address the first, the trust, and uh, last, uh, the wisdom, and the relationship between the two. Still keeping with the history for a moment. The uh, history in religion, there is the encouragement to have faith. In these teachings uh, here, in the definition of faith, is that in which I believe in, I do not have the evidence for but I have faith in that it is true. I believe that when I die, I will be reborn. I cannot prove that now, but I have faith that this religious belief um, will prove to be true. So faith is the, and I'm in this language here, is an unprovable um, in relationship to the future, to have faith in. The teachings move very decisively away from religious view of faith and recognises the great significance of trust. Before you arrived here, for those of you for whom it is the first time in meditation, the first time in India, the first time on a retreat, prior to arrival, it was the faith that this might be useful and beneficial for you because you had, as you've told me, no experience prior, 
no experience of India, no experience of the retreat, and no experience of meditation in the, in the formal ways. Once, in this case, those three are being explored, that is the experience which, if it provides some benefit, will therefore serve as the foundation for the trust. I have this experience, I found it beneficial, and therefore I wish to explore it further, because I've got a background of first-hand personal evidence. And many of you in the uh, hall here certainly uh, uh, have that, and all credit to you. In the exploration of this uh, uh, trust, there can be a element of trust and to go back to the past for a moment to make the importance rather clear the Buddha uses this word Indriya and Indriya is one of the great gods so he sometimes would take the name of one of the, uh, the gods that means the powerful beneficial influences and instead of seeing the god out there referred it to the inner so in this case the first great god of the mind is trust so a letting go of the religious language of faith and replacing it with an experiential language of trust in ancient India and even today it's a radical shift of priority and not that the others are any lesser there but the teachings point out and uh, that the Buddha to his everlasting credit has explored this as well that trust and wisdom must go hand in hand like left hand and right hand and one gives mutual support to the other engage in some experiences start with some faith there is some trust in these uh, uh, experiences I get some insight some understanding to use, so we use the fancy word wisdom we get some wisdom out of this this wisdom then gives me more trust more trust gives me more experience which provides me with more insight which gives me more wisdom you get the the role, maybe. Sometimes, though we may say with the future, long-term future now, either in the religious language, so, come back to the teachings for a moment, in one of the great discourses of the Buddha, he goes to the village a small township of the Kalama people. This is one of the great, most loved discourses of the, of the Buddha. And they say to him, Gautama, many great gurus and masters and teachers come to see us. Many are proclaiming their enlightenment. 
their liberation, their awakening there. But who can we trust? Because these great masters and teachers appear sometimes to be saying different things. So how do we know who to have trust in when all are proclaiming the same, they found God, they know the truth, the reality, etc. It's a pretty good question. Good question deserves a good answer. Buddha was fond of uh, asking questions in his talks, but he couldn't be bothered to wait around for the practitioners to answer, so he would answer himself. You know. <laughs> I'm prone to doing it myself. Anyway, we won't go into all of that. So, then, the question asked, who can we trust when there are so many, quote-unquote, great maha teachers around? And then, as he does, he gives a warning, and there are about ten of them, um, a kind of health warning which in my humble view is one of the greatest statements ever made on this earth this is extraordinary I have no guarantee I can remember all ten so forgive me but I can uh, check a little while and it's all in the don't not in the positive it's in the health warning do not be impressed with a teacher because that means or a tradition or a religion or a belief it's all in the same umbrella do not be impressed or put your trust in somebody the guru, the master who has a huge number of followers do not put your trust in a guru uh, uh, ma, um, uh, ma master who claims that he or she is from a very long lineage and tradition. Do not put your trust in a guru, teacher, master, whatever, because he or she um, is very charismatic. Do not put your trust in a master, guru or teacher because it sounds very, very reasonable. Do not put your trust in a teacher, master uh, or guru because of what they claim about themselves. I'm running out. I'll, I'll, there, there are at least think two more and I'll check them out, but I think you get the point. There. So then... The Kalama people, they're, you know, they're dedicated questioners, inquiries, they love the presence. And I know I, in, in Totnes, where I, where I live, all the, the, lots of teachers and masters and authors and public figures come and we uh, uh, listen, listen uh, uh, in, uh, in the hall. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a sideways step because it, it made me smile. Um, one of the teachers came from um, California where else? I, I love California some of the time and, and gave a talk in, in the hall and 
the teacher who I actually have t- taught with, and some of you will know, is it was Joanna Macy. She's an extraordinary, super extraordinary woman, this woman there. And I'm privileged to know her and be a, 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 a friend there. So she's in the older years, she's in the 80s, so it must have been 10 or 15 years ago. So Joanna's flown in from California. She's given this wonderful talk about life and the oneness of things and the intimacy and the evolution of life, etc. And then in the middle of the talk, she said, now turn to your neighbour who is sitting beside you in the hall. It must be three or four hundred of us in the hall. Turn to your neighbour who is sitting beside you in the hall and just take hold of their hand and feel the sensations and the texture and the quality of human life and feel those hands. And I'm sitting there in the front row and the thought rose in my mind, Joanna, we don't do that, we're British. (laughs) 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 However, I resisted uh, uh, there. So I had a friend uh, uh, with me, sadly a male friend, So we're there stroking each other's head. <laughs> you get the point. Oh dear. Anyway, let's get back to what they're hearing now for a moment. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, California. So, or British, for that matter. Talk about uh, the crossing the pond and the differences between the two places. It's pretty significant. Anyway, yeah. So there we are. There's, there's, there is trust based on experience. Sometimes there is a trust, of course, between the present to the future, or there is faith. And we, in just the ordinary human experiences that we have, if they're based, as I said a moment ago, We may have been exploring a certain kind of work activity or a commitment or a dedication or be in a a relationship, the many kinds there, and there is some experiences there which we appreciate and therefore from the past to the present there is still some continuity of that trust with that experience which has time to it and out of that recollections with the present moment with the knowing of ourself and the other or ourself and the creativity or ourself and the action there because it's got a background to it this then can be the foundation for the next step the next step there may be a gap there's a gap between where I am and where this is going whatever that might be about in our life which is important for you and me the Buddha bringing now the word acceptance here doesn't use it in this spiritual new agey blah 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 language there. Oh, you know, a bit of theatre here for the moment. Oh, we must accept things as they are. We must live with acceptance. 
that we must learn to accept ourselves. It's like a sleeping tablet, isn't it? Really, what's the point there? If we if we get into that nice, sweet, passive mode of mind, which has put plenty of Buddhists to sleep, there, where there's no room left for rebellion. There's no room left for saying, I do not accept this. It's a comfort zone of, we must accept. We learn to accept ourselves. No, we don't. We explore. We don't just put a coating of passivity over ourselves. I must learn to accept myself. This will not protect a human being from the bows and arrows of outrageous misfortune, as uh, our beloved William Shakespeare says. People are nasty. People say pretty unkind things. People are pretty tough in this world. And people don't hold back. And you will not be, oh, I've learned to accept myself. That will not protect anybody it's as thin as a balloon, that defence system. Wisdom will protect. Clarity will protect. A certain kind of trust will protect. Samadhi will protect. Awareness will protect. A real energy which is present will protect. Not this uh, self-acceptance language. But acceptance, here's where it comes, the acceptance, the only locations in the Dharma teachings the, the Buddha has the inspiration where it is used and he says it's beautiful, remember this I look to the past and then I look what I look at in my past that might be quite recent it might be my emotional past my psychological past my mem- memory past my experiences past my un- whatever, he says I look to the past and when I look to the past I look to it to see and know what I have understood. I look to the past to see and know what I have understood. And having looked to the past to see and know what I I have understood I trust that and I accept it. Very important this. I trust this and I accept it. Rather than I look to the past, there is an understanding, whatever that might be about, there, and so that the mind doesn't then race in and say, oh, I might be wrong, it could be something else, perhaps I haven't really understood. And all of that understanding is overshadowed by an old reactivity which is one of not understanding the relationship between the understanding of something and its acceptance. I understand and then I accept. Having understood, I accept and from that I apply. From that I apply based on what I've understood from the past. And with that, that application then goes into the future. And 
that may be some combination or meeting of the of the trust uh, uh, there, and with the clarity as well that it really is based on the immediacy of the past and the immediacy and the clarity of the present in order to act, in order to respond. That's understanding, acceptance, action. Extraordinary thing to genuinely explore this. One wonders, well, some people, one wonders, why do so many relationships fall apart? And there are, of course, many, many reasons, to be fair to every one of us here. And it would be very, very simplistic to uh, unfairly reduce it down to one or, or two uh, reasons. I'm talking about the wide variety, both from the loving, romantic uh, uh, relationships between uh, men and women, men and men, women and women, and other kinds. <clears throat> With that, one important aspect to, that's vital for a vital relationship which has love and trust must also have the wisdom. And the wisdom, which we are exploring here in fact, is the ability and the willingness to be extraordinarily vigilant and mindful of what is going on in the communication. What is the quality of it? Are the person, persons involved, whoever he, she, they, we may be, genuinely really listening to each other and a significant factor in the death and destruction and disintegration in a relationship is taking the other person for granted. That's a killer. To assume this is how it has been in the past, this is how it is in the present, and to assume not through understanding, but through habit and repetition and continuity, that therefore it will continue. And then we wonder, why does the relationship fall apart with our children, with our parents, with our partner, our husband, our wife, with our work colleagues, with our good friends, or whatever. It requires a, a genuine mindfulness there to look at and see in that relationship, relationship that trust requires the wisdom, meaning the clarity in relationship too. And sometimes when I go to the personal relationship for a moment or two, 
in this dynamic that we are living in, even with the best love and kindness and commitment and dedication in this world, and with a lot of love between people, never any guarantee of continuity. There is so much else which is going on in people's lives. And sometimes the one who is in front of us, whoever, she or he may decide to step out to something else. May just not because there is essentially anything fundamentally wrong with the relationship, but sometimes in the dynamics of the inner life, in the explorations which take place for people, with the quest for meaning and truth and, and what's going on with life or whatever, some people just step out. Just like Gautama. No different. Couldn't cope, couldn't handle it, felt the burden of responsibility, felt trapped that he was going to have to be the Raj, the, 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 the ruler, in succession to uh, the father, and felt completely disillusioned with what he saw around him, as he said, or the partying that was going, or the pleasure, being cut off and hidden from dying, and sickness and death, cut off from all of that there, What's the real, what's authentic, what's genuine, and some break out of it. In those kind of changes which break out, it's very easy and very human to kind of take it all personally. And if we have a little tendency inside of ourselves towards self-blame, if we have some tendency from the past towards giving ourselves a hard time when things don't really work out properly, it has not only a rather painful impact on our feelings, but it digs into the trust, makes an impact on the trust. And we have to live, it's not easy, but trying to find a way of living in this world which no longer offers the security so called of you must until death do us part or those languages uh, there but it's, it's an exploration in relationship to whoever that we find ways and means we, to really check to really see and know this person to listen to the whispers and the intimations of what she or he is saying, really ensure that we have a connection and uh, an attunement and keeping open and transparent ourselves, and that may well give some support. So we're not. There's no sense of taking the other for granted. There's constant mindfulness and vigilance, regular expressions of trust. Not easy, but the other is hellish. Hellish. I'll give you two examples of what I refer to here. And uh, second personal, third, from a 
from a yogi, from a retreatant. This was in, in Germany. I can't remember, maybe two or three years ago. So the woman was on a, a, a retreat, very bright, very uh, intelligent, charming, insightful, just lovely sort of person that one meets. If you're a man, the thought might arise, lucky guy, why not? So the man, the good man in her life, he was working in the um, computer world. Very successful, earning a lot of money, you know, two homes, 2.2 kids, 2.2 cars, the full catastrophe. And he would come home at night and upon arriving back at home, he goes straight to his little office and a kind of slave to the company and would keep on working. Now, and with all of that, she, what she said to me was, he had a closer and more intimate relationship with the company and the computer than he did with me. She said, I felt sometimes like I was just his personal cook. And sometimes at night, his mattress. You get the point. And so she spoke to him about it, about the condition of their relationship, about feeling neglected and not really in a proper relationship, in a proper marriage. Over several months this went on and there was no change. And she said, if there isn't a change by such and such a time, I'm out. There was no change. And she commented in the one-to-one -to, -one to me with a great one-liner of poetic beauty. She said, My ex-husband preferred to have his hands on the keyboard than on me. And I looked at her, this beautiful, articulate, charming, lovely woman. And I said to her, your ex-husband is completely mad. Mad. She'd lost her trust. But the loss of the trust was the wisdom. She trusted she would be okay. She trusted she could start a new life. When my, uh, <clears throat> the personal one uh, 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 this time, when my, uh, few years after my beloved daughter 
was uh, was born. Her mum, Grandrinch, and I had been together you know, for some years, six, seven years, or whatever it was. And her mum uh, decided, which is fair enough, decided, well, putting it bluntly, get me out of here. So Christopher, with his global blah, 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 uh, traveling, etc., in, out, in, out, and, and so forth. And she also, she's just coming up to her 30th birthday, and she said, she said to me, I'm going to start a new life. And she said, when you get back from India, I'll be gone. Oh, right. It wasn't my wish. I liked the family unit, and uh, of course I loved her, etc. But the other voice inside, in the communication and, and inside, kind of respected and appreciated the independence of the voice, and to say, I'm just coming up to my 30th birthday, I'm making a change, I'm going to start something really, really fresh, so we're going to be co-parenting, because I really, really loved Nishona, my, 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 my daughter, and, and just as much as she did, and, then, and she moved out. And she still lives 10 minutes walk from me, as she has done since 30 years, Yes, that was 30 years ago. It's a long story uh, there. So, this made me smile, I'll tell you. So, we see each other, da, 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 there, and in the first months, I said to her, this was faith, not hope, not trust, that any time she wanted, day or night, she'd be absolutely welcome keep the front door key, come in, we can start, like Brian said the other day, completely afresh. Never mind the history, we're going to start, we could start completely anew, right from the beginning, as if we just first met and never seen each other before. I think we could start like that. Oh, hopeful thinking. There. <clears throat> and we, in one of the conversations that we had together, actually a couple of years later and she said this she won't mind me saying this she said this for a few months oh sometimes I have doubt we had such a good relationship da -da, but I needed to have a, really make a real break start something really fresh and new and all of this touched the wish oh she might be back she might be back uh, over the six month period and then one day, this is the important bit, unexpectedly a single voice arose out of Christopher. Single voice means a statement, an insight. And the single voice was this. The feet do the talking. So though precious woman she would say oh I really miss you we had such a good relationship 
spent all this time together, we've travelled all over the world together, we brought our daughter when she was five months old to India for a few months, etc. Really, Miss I sometimes think I've made a mistake. Like that. But the feet were doing the talking, meaning she was appreciating and enjoying her independence. Why not? Me too. Uh, there. So once, in one of these conversations, she said, do you know what, she said to me, do you know what, Christopher, I remember best about our relationship? I said, no. She said, we, it was true, we sat and we talked a lot. It was true. Sometimes in the winter over the fires, we chat, 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 gossip, dharma and spirituality and India and travel and the child and the parent and chat, chat, chat. We were, she said, I really, really miss that. So I said to her, I'm a man, is there anything else you missed about the relationship? She said, no. I said, anything? No. I said, anything between around going to bed at 11 o'clock at night and waking up in the morning and getting out of bed, anything in that time? No. no it's, it's a bit hard for a man to hear this. One feels a little castrated by these no's. statements. Uh, there. And the thoughts arose because of that. In terms of duality or non-duality, Gwanwin, my ex, is clearly far more developed and advanced than I am because she doesn't see any difference between being in bed and going to sleep and being in bed and making love. It's, it's non-dual. There's no real difference. And I have to apologise. I'm a bit dualistic. I feel a difference between being asleep and making love. You know, I, I, I like that duality. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you see what I mean. She giggled. <laughs> anyway. So sometimes, in the trust, in the uh, expressions of it, it is not that we always have to be trusting. The wisdom is the support. And it can be, humanly enough, that the wisdom voice of the being, that's the understanding based on the past, based on the seeing clearly in the present uh, there, that it's for us to be really mindful, caring, as I said, vigilant, respectful, really listening in the dynamics of the relationship with another, uh, there, so that we're really keeping in tune with each other. Work, parents, kids, all of them, all the relationships. And that really attention and listening to uh, each other, in order that an authentic trust can stay, which is based on the clarity which is we call wisdom. In order for that trust 
to express itself and to show itself in some of the internal stories that may be arising for you and myself <coughs> during the days here it's quite common enough in the presentations from the inner life a person or persons come to mind and we and I've of course talked with all of you here and plenty of you have touched upon this very issue with me in the context of the day she, he or they who is important to you pardon me, is the presentation the picture and the image which comes to mind and the subject which is you or which is me looks to the presentation, the picture and the, uh, uh, the image and that is the internal relationship and that internal relationship we need to be extremely clear about in terms of seeing in the internal relationship what is the general feeling view which I have and if it is blame it might be easily, humanly enough some time has gone by that might be days, weeks, months or years in which we did not see Pali word is avidya not seeing not knowing or ignoring what was going on there was a bit of a blind spot with us there and then something happens and our trust is blown uh, agitation arises uh, there but most times in the passage of time to repeat a bit we take the other for granted we get kind of used to each other and it loses the spark it loses the creativity it loses the fresh idea and therefore that waking up the kind of teachings of the wisdom gives support to trust and recognize sometimes there is some loss of trust but I say the loss of trust genuinely is not a problem unto itself it's the fact of the human experience can we through whatever may happen though there may be some losing of the trust there we do not have to suffer over this and we do not have to be angry about it and we do not have to blame ourselves we can't expect all those who are important and close to us to always be trustworthy we're human sometimes we let people down sometimes we agree 
to do something and we don't. Sometimes we don't respond. So in the meditations there, it's not just the other, the beloved other, but how you view her, how you view him. That's important with the significant meeting place which is called the love. When that world is quiet, there aren't the presentations of others in our consciousness in our days here, and sometimes it's a relief, sometimes it's a good reason to be here, that in the absence of, and though we may not have a thought about the other, and we don't need to think I should be thinking about them, but in the absence of, it prepares the ground for the fresh to come for the new to come, for another acknowledgement to come. And it's keeping close to that. Some of you, even right now as I talk, or credit to you, uh, three, or, three or four of you, are taking some, uh, uh, taking some notes. Uh, uh, many diaries full at home of notes over, over the, over the, uh, over the uh, years, etc. Perhaps I'm working out my old journalist karma or something, I don't know. But anyway, take the notes uh, there. And it could be in that writing or in the reflection that takes place a single word or two which is so significant and important it affects the life of you and all those around you. One single thing might leap out of the page or leap out of the consciousness and it makes an extraordinary difference to the life. And when one knows this is healthy and beneficial, one accepts it. One doesn't go back into the doubt and accept it. And I give you uh, lots of examples. Um, there was this lovely Albanian nun who used to live here in India, Mother Teresa, very well known and uh, uh, much loved. Of course, like myself, the, the Catholic upbringing, little concerns, you know, she had with her, a little bit. Orthodoxy, bless her, from the Vatican. But more important than all of that, when I was in Calcutta, as it was called then, I had the opportunity to go to Humar Harday, it's the, uh, the home for the dying, and meet with her, and we had these lovely exchanges and conversations together, you know, the ex-Catholic, now the Buddhist monk with the shaved head, with the Catholic nun, having these lovely talks and discussions together. 
<coughs> Actually, he invited me um, to, uh, which is very sweet, over the Christmas period to stay in the convent with the nuns. I was the only guy in there, which is a bit of trust really, isn't it? And go to midnight mass when the, the priest came. And just, just a little bit for your reminder of the challenge of cer certain sensations. The nuns were kneeling on hard floor. You have a few sensations on your knees, I know, and you're like me, blah, blah. Sitting, no carpet, no mat, <coughs> kneeling on the hard floor. For about an hour. I thought, God, some tough cookies, these women, doing this for an hour. And Mother Teresa didn't even have a room. And she was a renunciate of a different order. She actually slept on this little low bed in the corridor. One wouldn't have known that unless one would actually stay, staying there. So I said, what happened to you that you ended up like this? And she said, I was travelling on a train from, da, from Calcutta to Suriguri, which is the last stop. I don't know if anybody's done it. It's a, I've done it. It's a winding train up through the hills. Very narrow gauge. goes very, very slowly. I mean, it's just, you know, built by the British occupiers, of course. But winding all this way up, and then you go from there, you get the bus up to Darjeeling. She said, I was the head of the Loretto High School for Catholic girls in Calcutta. That was my job. I was the head teacher, headmaster there. And I'm just sitting on the train, and the voice came through, completely unexpected, and the voice came through and said, Return to Calcutta and serve the poorest of the poor. And she said, I trusted this voice. I accepted what this voice told me. I went back down to Calcutta and I went out to the street at night and I bought some biscuits for a dying beggar lying on the street. And then I told the school and the Vatican that I wanted to resign this job and do what the Lord has told me to do. Heard the voice once, never heard it again. Follow, do this, serve the poorest of the poor. They were the actual words. She went back, some biscuits for the beggars, and then from there, some of the young women, 16, 17, 18 years old, said, Ah, Teresa, Sister Teresa, she was then, want to help you. And they were going out in the streets there. Some of those people, they were not only starving, they were being eaten by the rats. They were not only with pneumonia, and tuberculosis and cancer, some of those people dying on the streets, they were headmasters. 
They were lawyers, they were doctors, they were the poor, they were the uneducated. And life, in all of its patterns, from emotional problems, to being rejected, to the loss of money, to health issues and much more, from youngsters to the very elderly were on the streets. And then someone says, oh, I've got a couple of rooms. So then they started to carry them and put them in the rooms and give them some bed and give them some food and this work of caring for the poor. We, in the act of trust and acceptance and wisdom, that kind of voice which comes to us may be the voice, as I said, which changes the life. And it's not easy to follow it through. Because sometimes life, in, its, in its, some of its finest moments, really has a meeting with trust. Because it's the trust like Gwenwin saying I want to explore an independent life like the steps that you take to be here that the finest moments of life are sometimes because we had just enough trust to make a break with the old for something new that is a tremendous trust and in these teachings, when there is some break with the old, it may not be as dramatic as Mother Teresa, or may not be as you know, important as someone leaving a relationship or whatever. The teachings say, when we have a break with the old, the old habit or the old pattern or the old conditioning there, that voice, quote-unquote, that break off with the old is because we see and know what needs to be done. So truth, this is truth. So truth is not the formula, it's not the agreed interpretation of things, it's not by common consent, but there are times and moments when the truth kind of breaks through. And the confirmation, as one expression of it, it brings a change. It, the change could be a radical change, leaving something, whatever, but also, and equally important, it's not not to do with leaving A to go to B which is a right but it's a change of the view one doesn't have to come to India to realise truth one doesn't have to come to India to liberate the mind, one doesn't have to come to India to see and know things well and clearly. 
contribution that we make is by the renewal of truth when it transforms and sometimes it's transforming presentation, actuality is in a completely fresh way of looking at something completely new to us and in the fresh way of looking at it there is no problem there is no suffering so the meeting just in the Gosh, the time has galloped by, doesn't it? It's just warming up. It's already nearly quarter to five. Um, so, we have our meditations, and the threefold aspects of it today trust, inner, and outer. Acceptance, when there is an understanding and not before, so there's nothing passive about it. And uh, the wisdom, and that uh, wisdom not being lazy, never taking anybody for granted in our life at all, finding that quieter energy and mindfulness to be really loving and uh, available, there. And when we make mistakes, as we do in our communications and the relationship, when we have engaged in more practice and more exploration, what comes with it is more responsibility. That comes with it. We cannot ask others to change their life or change their attitude if they have no background, nor history, nor experience, nor insight to be able to make the changes. We can't expect some of the people in our life to really change. It's not easy to really change for ourselves. And we've got the practices, we've got the resources, we've got the teachings, we've got the methods, we've got the techniques, we've got the tradition. We have many supportive elements and factors. My goodness me, we have all of that, plus the network of people in public service there. But quite a few of the people that you and I know, they don't have that access. So just remember... Never ask others to be and to change if we haven't done that beforehand. Do not expect others to be different and change when we can't change. And if we all of us remember that, there's going to be a little bit of humility in our life. And sometimes, as we touched upon in the uh, uh, inquiry, and thank you for the person who wrote the note of appreciation about the uh, inquiry, 
and the two people who kindly came to speak with uh, wrote a nice, just a nice note of appreciation about it. That with love as the, the powerhouse of uh, of all of this, I find the primary wish. And it's an important one-liner in my life. A primary wish is to stay true to love. To trust in it, to stay true to love. And this staying true to love means the relationship of the other may change or not. Sometimes there may be some agitations and the self of oneself arising and it starts to have some impact. But essentially and primarily the love of the love is so important in this field in which we live so it might the inner voice, if I may say, the inner voice is stay true to love. And somehow, staying true to that allows the foolishness on Christopher's part and da-da-da, or uh, the activities or views or opinions uh, of the other, you know, which I may disagree with, uh, etc. But just that precious presentation and therefore trust and acceptance uh, wisdom uh, clarity bring the best out of the being and that's worth finding out and knowing let's have our quiet minute together shall we May all beings explore trust. May all beings support trust with wisdom. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you very much for lending an ear.